Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to America's Community Voices on Blog Talk Radio. And we're your hosts. My name is Ronald Brookins. And my name is Donald Brookins. We're certainly very happy to have you here. And uh, we want to say hello to all of our listeners. This is a program that we originally started four years ago, uh, around the times of the 2010 elections. We wanted to sort of focus on get out to vote and get people aware about the election and the importance of voting, no matter who you were voting for. And uh, we have begun again partially because of that, but the main reason is is that certainly over the last few years there has been some real issues and divide in our country and a lack of civility from people with differing opinions and differing positions and ideas. And what we want to do with this program is have a positive effect on that. Uh, Donna, go ahead and tell us, give us your thoughts on that. Well, you know, you said since the last few years, I, I noticed it started around the election of 2000, uh, that hotly contested election between George W. Bush and Al Gore. It continued in 2004 election, uh, presidential election, certainly in 2008, which was a watershed moment because that's when President Obama, uh, Barack Obama, won uh, the presidency. And it continued over into the election of 2012. And what I've noticed, we've grown further and further apart uh, blue states, red states, conservatives, uh, liberals, and there is a group of people in the middle who I really think is uh, uh, the silent majority and haven't participated in the conversation. And I'm excited about this because what we're going to try to do or attempt to do is to do what I believe is needed in this country, that this should all be a shared experience for us all in order for us to share our ideas be able to talk to each other, do it in a civilized manner so we can at least understand one another. We may still end up saying, well, I don't agree with you, but I'm happy to listen to you. And in that regard, Donna, let's talk about what defines civil discussions or civility in discussions. Uh, Had you finished? I'm sorry. I apologize if I interrupt you. Go ahead. Yeah, you did interrupt, but go ahead. Okay. Okay. you did so well in, in explaining that, as a matter of fact. I wanted us to start talking about what's going to be the primary focus of this radio program. Um, and we're going to have people from all walks of life with all different opinions. And uh, while we may not agree with some of those opinions, we certainly agree with the need for us to have a civil discussion about this information and not to just sim- simply rely on uh what somebody has written in a newspaper article or what you hear over television. Well, not only a civil discussion, uh, but it should be an honest discussion, honest dialogue about things that we need to discuss that's going on in our country. Uh, uh, It's going to be a great conversation. It's going to be a conversation because as you and I discussed, what we decided was uh, sharing our ideas that uh, 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 the main thing that binds us as Americans 
that keeps us together is that thing that was provided to us, that, that, that concept, that great concept of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, it's more than just a concept, Donald. I mean, because let's make sure, because not everybody is familiar with that, but, I mean, but most of us are. And certainly in our Declaration of Independence, one of the most iconic, iconic and historic phrases written by Jefferson is simply stated as, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men, and we say and women, are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, it's our intent to examine some of the most prevalent and important issues today in our, in our society through that lens that all of us, all of us, no matter who we are, no matter what our opinions are, what our race is, all of us as American citizens have these inalienable rights. And I believe that when we, we discuss these issues based on those rights and using that lens, then we should be able to have a much more civil uh, uh, discussion about this and uh, be more trustworthy that each person is saying what they believe in and then try to come to some type of consensus or agreement to disagree or to move forward in our discussion. At least we should be able to bridge some sort of understanding. But right now, with people not talking to each other but just talking at each other, uh, I don't see anything beneficial. I mean, look look at what's happening in Washington, D.C. Uh, we have uh, a legislature that's not functioning. Uh, we have an executive branch that's uh, functioning on a limited basis. And we have a Supreme Court that's uh, really out of whack. So... Um, we need to discuss it. Uh, we need to try to bridge some understanding between one another and talk about those things are important. I mean, immigration is important. Access to medical care, medical health care is important. Uh, well, the economy is important. Well, I, one of the real issues is that uh, people are making assumptions about each other because this, this person is, is in the Democratic Party or the Republican Party or the Tea Party. Uh, or this person is gay, or uh, this person is black or Hispanic, there are certain assumptions, and we shouldn't make these assumptions. I mean, th these assumptions don't add or lend or enhance the opportunity for us to be much more productive as a society. I mean, to be quite frank, we have not been very productive as a society for these past few years, and some would want to blame it on, on Barack Obama, President Barack Obama. I don't happen to believe that. I believe that there's a certain cynicism that exists now, you know, and unless we address that cynicism, unless the people who are in the middle and want to see progress in this country really stand up and address that cynicism, then everyone at the fringes on the left and the right will continue to keep this, uh, this, this, this block up where we're unable to accomplish anything. I mean, it's a stalemate, and quite frankly, it's very sad in a country as, as, as important as ours and, and, and as a country that's as diverse as ours. Every must, everyone must have a voice. And once we vote in elections, and once the majority has, has ruled in an election, then that's it. That's right. Once the majority has spoken, then everyone should get behind our president, whether he's a Democrat or a Republican, or even maybe a Tea Party member. You never know. We should be able to have this election uh, have the freedom and the right to vote for whom we choose. And once the decision is made, then we should support our president, we should support our government. I'll tell you, I'll give you one example, and, I, and, and I'll talk about myself. 
about coming to some conclusions. And that example has to do with the election of 2012. Um, I'm a Democrat. I support President Barack Obama. Uh, when Mitt Romney was elected, uh, uh, was uh, chosen to be, be uh, the representative of the Republican Party as their presidential candidate, uh, he, the convention was held here in my home city of Tampa, Florida. Um, I watched the convention from beginning to end. I was sort of uh, taken back by some of the things that occurred at that convention. But nonetheless, you know, he was the candidate, so let's see what both candidates have to say. Um, I was disappointed in some of the things that happened, to, that happened with Mr. Romney, and I recognize that sometimes when you're in campaigns, uh, both parties, will uh, will have these campaign ads that are quite negative and critical to each other. And not all of them are always true or not true. Um, but there were some decisions that Mr. Romney made and, I, and, 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 and that I questioned. But what really happened to really open my eyes about this was, after the election was over, there was on Netflix a, uh, a special thing that was done on Mr. Romney. It was a documentary. A documentary. And what, do you remember what the name of it was, Don? It's called MIT. It's called MIT. And both Don and I had a chance to view that documentary. And I remember thinking when it was all over, and Don, Don and I had a discussion, that if Mitt Romney had, had showed America what we saw in that documentary, he probably could have won the election. Well, no, here's the thing. He made some poor choices. Uh, he was forced by his party to run way far to the right than he should have been because he, he's really a liberal uh, Republican, a liberal conservative. Um, look what he did in the state of uh, Massachusetts when he was the governor there. Um, and as a result of that, having to run so far to the right during the primaries in order to win the primaries, when it came time for him to run against Barack Obama in the general election, he tried to make that move back to the center and wasn't able to do so. Yep, but the, real, the real issue, Donna, is, if I, if I may interrupt you for a moment, the real issue that I saw was was that you got to see uh, Governor Romney as a husband, as a father, as a member of his church and his community, and that was a real person. I mean, uh, that 47% comment is not the comment of a real person that makes any sense. To say some of the things that, that he said that, were, that was Republican speech, you know, and Tea Party stuff, and to tell people uh, you know, like women and minorities and Hispanics that I'm for you, and yet you have these policies that clearly indicate that you're not, it was not a truism. And yet, I don't believe he believed in a lot of that stuff, and he certainly seemed to be, uh, to me, a likable guy. Well, he played to his base, uh, the Republican base, and if you're playing to the Republican base, unfortunately, that means that you are not inclusive, you're exclusive of a lot of those groups that you need to win. You need women to win, you need minorities to win, and you need Latin people to win. If you're going to have a true uh, um, constituency that's going to help you win the presidency, he didn't have that. And unfortunately, like you said, if, you, if, if, if that documentary would have been released before the election and people got to see Mitt Romney, the man with his family, with his children and grandchildren, uh, listen to him talk about some of his thoughts and everything that was going on, you would have liked him because I was a reluctant, reluctant uh, person to vote for Barack Obama. I really didn't want to vote for him during his second election. I really was looking for someone else because I was sort of dis 
disappointed in the way he had managed uh, the politics of the country. Uh, I supported him wholeheartedly in 2008. I think the man has potential to be a great president. I didn't like the way he governed, and it was kind of disappointing, but Mitt Romney was a horrible candidate, and there was nothing else out there for me. See, now, that's interesting. You and I have different opinions. You said you don't like the way the president governed, and in my mind, the president governed in the best way he could because he had men on the opposite side in the Congress in one branch of the government that were determined to make sure he not be able to govern in any way. If you look at the, 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 the traditional form of our government, we got three branches, and the relationship between the executive branch and the congressional branch, in which it's necessary for those two branches to work together to pass legislation, move it through, and get it approved and make laws in this country. If you don't have a partner uh, that's willing to, and not even a partner, but another member of the governmental branch that's willing to act with goodwill and professionalism, how are you going to get anything done? I mean, these people clearly state that it's their intent to make sure that nothing, and I mean nothing that the president does, gets any type of approval. Well, my dear brother, he's not the first president that this has happened to. Of course, it has not been to the degree that it has happened with him, but I'm going to talk about another president was kind of sort of similar disdain that the legislature had for him, and that's Bill Clinton. And in my opinion, it's a matter of leadership, and, and Bill Clinton understood the political aspects of being a president, and he used that, uh, had a keener sense of how to use that in order to reach consensus or to cut a deal. In my opinion, Barack Obama never put out a real political effort to bring these people to the table and hold them accountable. He always sent surrogates like the vice president or some other people to do this. when He should have been there. He should have been out there holding those people's feet to the fire and holding them accountable to the American people for them not doing their job. He's great at running for president. He's great at giving a speech. But to me, he lacks leadership when he has to govern. Well, he's, been, he's been very disappointing to me in the aspect of governing. And I know this man is bright. I know he has the potential to be a great president. And when he promised us in 2008 that he was going to transform the, go the government, that he was going to make it a government that worked together, uh, he did not deliver on that. Well, this is what's one of the dangers of living in a democracy. I'm afraid, my dear brother, you drank the Kool-Aid. Because if these people say the same thing over enough, and God knows the Republicans and the Tea Party have said it over and over again, everybody starts to believe it. Now, you and I both it's not, know it's not true to the extent that you can compare Bill Clinton's presidency and how he was able to work with, with the opposition as opposed to Barack Obama. Because Bill Clinton, despite them disliking him because he beat them, uh, Bill Clinton was a white man, and the people he worked with were white. I'm sorry, but that is true. I mean, because I can't find any other reason for them not to work with Barack Obama other than the fact that he's black. Well, Ronald, my brother, let me say this. You can, you, I will not allow you to use that excuse because the man got reelected. He got reelected easily. You can't tell me because he's black. He knew that yeah, he was black when he ran for the job. He knew that he was going to have that baggage. That's the baggage he brought with him when he became president. He knew that. What Bill Clinton had and what he was smart enough to do is to hire a political operative that did not believe as he believed to tell him what he needed to know instead of what he needed to hear. 
Barack Obama has no such person in his administration. He's listening to his best friend, Valerie, and his wife. He has no political operative to come in and tell him how to make the hard choices. The man has been, I mean, he's been great on certain things. He was great in the beginning, on, on, on certainly on foreign policy. Uh, he was great with the, the Affordable Health Care Act. Uh, he was great in finding uh, Osama bin Laden and, and getting rid of him. He, he's made some great decisions where he's failed miserably is being able to govern at home and being able to come to some consensus with, with these people and hold this. This Congress is, I mean, they're a joke. They're a joke. He ought to be able to outwit these people, and I just don't understand it. You know, I, once again, and, and if you notice, even though we disagree, we're being civil in our discussion and, and talking about this. First of all, Donna, you're drinking the Kool-Aid, my brother. I don't know why. How can you say that this man is not a good leader when he passed what every president since Teddy Roosevelt has tried to pass, most of them if they're worth their salt, and that's a, a comprehensive uh, health uh, uh, policy, uh, health bill for, for uh, universal health care. He was able to do that, Donald. I mean, given the state of the economy when he came in here, and given the fact that he had no help, don't, don't, I didn't interrupt you, so you don't interrupt me. That's been turned around on his watch, and it's certainly been turned around based on his policies. The jobs that were lost have been gotten back, and now we're in plus category. He's the first president in over 20 years, longer than that, to have six months of 200,000-plus job, plus job gains uh, in the market. He's done a lot of different things uh, related to equal pay for women that he was able to do, related to the environment, related for providing something for Wall Street and some of these other companies to act in a way that's more beneficial to the consumer. Uh, uh, he saved uh, the major, major automobile companies in this country. He killed Osama bin Laden. He didn't talk about it and, 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 and go up on a deck and with, a, with, with, with an airplane suit, a suit of, a, of somebody that was uh, uh, an airman and talk about uh, game over and all that different stuff. Uh, what he did was he went about the job of meticulously hunting down the enemy and making sure he was taken care of. <laughs> right on. I agree with you. Bravo. The man took us from the brink of going over the cliff and brought us back up, and he made some wise decisions that brought, that brought this economy back slowly but surely. He brought it back. But perception is everything. Perception is everything. And look where we are now. The perception of this president is not good. His... Uh, uh, the people, when you when you look at the polls, they they don't rate him high on leadership. They don't rate him high on anything. He's at forty percent, and and that's and he's lost some of his Democrats from there because he was at forty eight percent. He's lost at least eight percent of the Democrats. Why do you think that's so? Well, because there's one factor that Barack Obama deals with that not even to a extent George Bush had to deal with, and certainly not Bill Clinton. And what is that, Donald? Yeah, you're not going to say race. No. What is that? Twenty four hour news cycle. But, oh, and and with, with social media and the 24-hour news cycle, you know, these issues are constantly with, with Fox News and these uh, the conservative radio stations, they're constantly beating this drum and putting these lies out and half-truths out. And when that happens, Donald, sure, sure you're going to have a situation where 
he, he uh, uh, his numbers are not up as it relates to uh, what people think of him. Of course, because most people will look at the low-hanging fruit and they'll listen to what they say and they're not accountable for making sure they analyze and make a determination as to whether it's true or not. Well, I do agree with you. Most people will not critically analyze it. They'll listen to one source, whether it be on Fox or whether it be on some other TV show or in a newspaper, and won't seek various sources to come up with a proper conclusion. That's true. That's true. And the 24-hour news cycle is something. But my criticism of our president is that he's failed to manage the politics of the presidency. You have to do that. Other people have done it. Some people a lot a lot better than others. Clinton was very good at it. Uh, Lyndon Johnson was very good at it. Ronald Reagan was very good at it. And to a large extent, uh, John F. Kennedy was really great at it. Well, let me just tell you this. Again, none of these people live in the world that Barack Obama lives in, where terrorism is a, is, 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 a, is a threat to our country and our well-being in a world in which civility uh, in politics and professionalism and goodwill in politics no longer exists. you got people in Washington, D.C. who dedicated towards destroying the country. And by the way, let me get this out, because this, 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 this is something that really bugs me, Donald, is that there are people there that are employees of the government preaching that the government is no good. Now you tell me what's that all about. What's up with that? What do you mean the government is no good? If you look at our country's history, the major accomplishment that we've made in this country, a lot, almost all in every century, has had to do with the government playing a positive role, from freeing the slaves to women's rights to voters' rights to providing health care to those in need to the poverty program to, to defense, defense in this country to dealing with the drug situation in this country. I mean, this government, it's part, this government was created for that reason. The Founding Fathers created our government in order that the government to be of the people and not by the pe- of the people and by the people. But what the conservatives forget is there's one more important part of that. The most important part of that formula is for the people. I'm going to repeat that for you all out there now. For the people. It's not simply of the people and by the people. The government is for the people. And it is an arbitrator for fairness in our country. So, I mean... Uh, we have a discussion right about this, and, and we're going to be discussing in the future as we start to wrap up because we've only got about seven and a half minutes left in the show, Donald. Um, that's if, if you want to you want to go ahead and start wrapping up particularly with oh, this. Well, you know, I, I agree with what you had to say, but I want you to remember something, Ronald. Um, um, Obama won his first election, and there are some people who, who might have thought that that was just a fluke. Uh, but he was reelected, so I am, as a voter, forced to judge him now on his performance. I can't put all these other factors in about Congress and the news and the race. I have to judge him on his performance. I have to judge him what he wants as far as what he said when he came into office on the things that he's accomplished. And all those things you mentioned about the first administration, he did it. He is to be commended. I swear to God he's to be commended. But now that he's done that, and he, he was in his second administration, he needed to do something to domestically make sure that we, the, the political perception of what he has done is being heard by all. I mean, this, this Congress, especially uh, the legislatures and, the, and uh, the congressmen, not so bad in the Senate, but the congressmen, these guys are clowns. 
They're clowns. They hate the government, Donald. They've come to Washington, a small group of men are controlling, controlling the U.S. Le- uh, legislature, and they've come there with the total intent of destroying the national government. That's true. That's their intent. That's their intent. Now, given that background and everything that you just said, within the first four months of, 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 of this second term, uh, the, the president got through a, a, a major tax bill. In other words, it made it much more equitable in terms of taxes and how taxes are paid, you know, and much more fair. That was passed, Donna. Have you forgotten that? No, I have not forgotten that. But once he got that tax bill through and he knew there was some other stuff they needed to work together on, he should have personally went in there to sit down with these people. He sent surrogates. He didn't invite them over and smooth them the way Reagan used to do it, the way Johnson used to do it. He didn't do all of that. He didn't establish pers- uh, uh, professional relationship with these people. Let's wrap this up. Let me just say this to you. Do you honestly believe, Donald? Tell me, do you honestly believe, based on what these people have publicly said about the president, that, that him doing that would have made any difference? I don't know that, Ronald. Okay, well. I don't know what it would, it, that, that it would have. It might, it might have made some difference as far as his, his political perception to, to the public, Ronald. The public would have seen him out there making the effort, but he might have got more backing from the public. The public didn't see him making any effort in their, in their eyes, and they didn't see the legislature making any effort, so they think all of them are do-nothing politicians. Well, That's what I'm talking about, perception. Well, I'm going to say this. We're going to wrap this up now because we're getting ready to close out. But let me just say this to you. You're drinking the Kool-Aid, my brother. You're drinking the Kool-Aid, and unfortunately the Kool-Aid has been given to you so many times you're starting to believe everything that's being said. But the main issue, I believe, above all things, is the issue that we that we started this program about, is that we want to promote civility. We want to promote discussions, uh, honest discussions, about issues in which we disagree and make sure that we create some level of understanding. Well, I know civility is, is part of is a component of it for me. But I want this to be a shared experience. I mean, this is what, this is what we're going through in this country over the last 14 years with the, the politics, the elections, um, the uh, disasters, etc., ought to be a shared experience where we as Americans come together through this shared experience and discuss these things and come out either agreeing or disagreeing with civility, but come to some sort of consensus and be civilized about it. Well, in order to reach that point where this is a shared experience, you can't have one group of Americans thinking that they are more worthy than another group of Americans. You can't have one group of Americans believing that uh, they want to take their country back. I mean, what what the hell does that mean? They want to take their country exactly back. Exactly what they said. But that it's going to be up to us to try to have a discussion with them, and hopefully they'll listen. You know, because I mean, these peoples of that that that's over two hundred years of, of values the way they were raised. That's something that, that, that that's going to take a long time and a lot of talking, honest talk, for us to hopefully reach some consensus, at least bridge some understanding. Well, this country belongs to all of us. It is a democratic republic. Under the guidelines of that democratic republic, we have all right to contend and and put out there what our opinions are, what we believe in. Ultimately, we contest that in elections. We vote, and once the vote is made, then that's how it's resolved. I agree with you, Ronald, but here's the problem. Those people out there who are claiming that this is their country and they want to take it back, they're vocal. They're involved in the political process. There's a silent majority out there that's not saying anything. 
that's not accessing the political process and that's not speaking up. We hope to reach those people to get them involved. Okay, and as we wrap up, we got less, uh, about two minutes left in the show. I'm going to remind you again what we talked about because ultimately no group should think they're more uh, nor better than any other group. Uh, they're, they're more entitled than any other group in terms of rights in this, in this country. Uh, once again, it's simply stated in our Declaration of Independence, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men and women are created equal that they are endowed by the Creator with certain inalienable rights, among them life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So we want you all to think about that. Think about all of this stuff in terms of that, of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Donald, we got about a minute and a half to left. Uh, how do you want to close up? What do you want to Well, you, I think you pretty well covered it. we got to look at through, through the optics of what you just, we've discussed these past 30 minutes and, and to at least try to have some honest conversation on various topics, and we look forward to bringing that to you in the near future. Okay, as we close up, I want to tell you about what we got coming up in the future and for the rest of this week. Tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., we're going to be talking with Mr. Craig Latimer, the Supervisor of Elections for Hillsborough County, talking about the upcoming elections and uh, what's going on with the primaries, the general election, uh, what changes have it been, what type of ID do you need, where are the polling places, talk about uh, the early polling. And then on Thursday, we're going to talk to a very interesting lady. Her name is Tanya Lewis, and Tanya is the executive director and CEO of Children with a Vision. It's an incredible organization that's having a big event on this coming Saturday in Tampa in which she gives away to children and, their, and families at risk uh, school supplies. We look forward to having you there. Yep, she's a great community uh, advocate, so we look forward to that conversation. All right, that's the end of our show tonight. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye, all.